0: are on the line. five oh
1: two you're on the line with noah gardner and lance dawn esbm 1067 and fox sports central alabama happy wednesday everybody hope everybody is doing well lance how are you doing
2: i'm doing great Noah, how are you doing
1: doing really well as folks can probably tell i am joining you via skype from silicauga alabama and radio alabama headquarters Of course, we've got a lot to talk about on today's show, so we'll get right down to it. Of course, hot topics in the coaching carousel as more and more comes out about Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, in addition to openings at Notre Dame and Oklahoma, as well as a full list of players that entered the transfer portal yesterday for the Auburn Tigers. A lot to discuss, and we'll start with the transfers over the last two days, 24-7 sports, reported yesterday that five Auburn football players entered the transfer portal yesterday. The question is, is this it for the transfers? And also, are these transfers significant losses for the Auburn program moving forward?
2: Right. So there were five guys that entered the transfer portal. Just to go over them real quick, we talked about it briefly on yesterday's show. Well, we got to talk about four of them. And then a fifth guy uh, entered the transfer portal, Sean Shivers, uh, wide receiver Elijah Canyon, defensive lineman Caleb Johnson, Uh, defensive back Ladarius Tennyson, and then uh, offensive lineman Tayshawn Manning were the five guys that uh, entered the transfer portal. And I think obviously a lot of fans uh, emotionally attached to Sean Shivers. Like I said on yesterday's show, he was a team captain uh, on this football team. He was was really respected by a lot of different fans. I think he was coaches as well. Did not necessarily get the touches I think that he wanted this season. And so I really hope wherever he ends up, he is able to... uh, He's able to uh, to get those touches that he wants. But yeah, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves here is, are any of these five guys legitimate losses for the Tigers? I think some people would have said heading into this offseason, had we lost Elisha Canyon, that that probably would have been a legitimate loss for the Tigers. I think a lot of people would have been upset if he had left uh, before the offseason season uh ended but now looking at it in hindsight it's like well if the coaching staff didn't really trust Elijah Canyon and they didn't really think that he was capable of getting on the field and making those big plays at receiver for the Tigers then I would expect that he's not somebody that would have been a factor for us down the road and I think when you look at these other four guys I think you could make the argument that they're not necessarily the biggest loss uh for Auburn I don't think any of these guys uh outside of Manning uh were starters at any at any legitimate point during their career
1: Elijah Canyon's where I want to start things off here. This season had four catches for 46 yards, didn't get a whole lot of opportunities, only appeared in four games. I'm a little saddened by the departure of Elijah Canyon, especially considering you are losing one of your leading receivers off of this team this year and Demetrius Robertson. So there is a place for him to slide in And this was a group that for half of a year really wasn't impressive. It was the back half of the season where you saw the receiver group really flourish, but nobody really established themselves until late. You can make the argument about Kobe Hudson, but then the injury sidetracked that for the South Carolina and Alabama games Kobe Hudson was emerging as a number one target, and I still think he's got all the potential in the world to be a number one wide receiver in the SEC. As a freshman, that's a lot, or a redshirt freshman, if you will, that's a lot to put on a guy like Kobe Hudson. But I still think there was a lot of opportunity in Auburn's receiver room and although Canyon was buried on the depth chart and from a touches perspective you're right it doesn't really make a big difference to the depth chart that he's electing to transfer but I'm sitting here asking myself based on the talent and the short sample size that we saw of him I'm asking myself what could have been with Elijah Canyon in this receiving core he could have been a great downfield threat for Auburn I believe moving forward in the program but for whatever reason, and we don't know why he wasn't getting onto the field, but for whatever reason, he did not have the same interest from this coaching staff.
2: Yeah, and, and again, I think what what it comes back, to, what it comes down to for me is I'm just disappointed that Auburn wasn't able to use a receiver that had a little bit of size, six foot three, 215 pounds, only caught four passes this season, did not get involved until the bowl game last year, had three catches for 80 yards and that one touchdown thrown. Uh, from Bo Nix I think that you're right I think from a touches standpoint he was kind of buried on the depth chart and he probably was never going to see not necessarily the light of day but because of all the other receivers that were getting experience that were also young I think you have to take into account what was going to happen in the future which those guys were going to grow up as well and because they were starters and because they were ahead of him they were going to be the ones to get the touches not only that I think it's also fair to point out you look at Auburn's recruiting class next season they've got three receivers coming in Amari kelly jacoby albert and jay fair i'm not saying those guys are going to necessarily take over the receiver room i don't think any of them by any means but I think those are more guys that are that are coming into the program that will definitely have an opportunity to, to take even more touches potentially away from Elijah Cannon. So, again, what it comes back down to for me is this coaching staff didn't necessarily, I don't think, trust him, whatever it may be. We don't know why he wasn't necessarily seeing the field. But for me, it's just disappointing to see a receiver that was listed at, what, 6'3", 6'4", 215. He never got a, a chance to really shine, uh, and that's that's what that's what I keep coming back to.
1: And you look at the rest of the receiving core, Demetrius Robertson is gone. Shedrick Jackson went through senior day festivities on Saturday, but he technically does have another year of eligibility due to the COVID season last year, but considering he went through Senior Day festivities a lot of times, that's a sign that a guy's probably not coming back. So say Shedrick Jackson doesn't return. You've lost Jackson and Robertson, two of your top targets in this group. Jackson this season finished with 38 receptions, two behind the team leader of Kobe Hudson, and third in receptions was Demetrius Robertson. So you're losing two and three in terms of receptions on your receiver chart. That's why I would have liked to have seen Canyon come back. And of course, you still have players like Xavier Capers waiting in the wings for their opportunities. Assuming he comes back next year, you still have Kobe Hudson, Malcolm Johnson, and of course all of the guys that you named that are recruits coming in, but I think one thing that we can all agree on especially considering we didn't see a whole lot of capers we don't know why we didn't see a whole lot of capers we don't know why we didn't see a whole lot of Malcolm Johnson it could be that those guys weren't ready from a development standpoint just yet but they could be not that they were in the doghouse with this coaching staff if you will but one thing that we can all agree upon I think this receiving core is going to look a lot different next year
2: they're gonna have to hit the transfer portal 100 percent I think Auburn's got to be able to go out and get some guys like you mentioned D-Rob's going to be gone Shedrick Jackson is most likely going to be gone I think that you're going to see Kobe Hudson continue to develop but Auburn is going to have to go get some experienced guys because as we were just talking about look they've got some recruits coming in and they've got capers and Malcolm Johnson on, on the roster but it's clear that those guys aren't necessarily like you said, not necessarily in the doghouse, but they aren't good enough to be starting receiver caliber type of players. So Auburn is definitely going to have to hit the transfer portal. And they've got some guys right now, I think that they're looking at transferring out of Oklahoma – I think they should look at every single receiver that comes out of that program over the next few weeks and really evaluate them and really see if they can uh, recruit those kids hard because that, that would be a uh, talent that I would absolutely love to have on my, uh, my roster. Isn't it Theo Weese and Hazelwood, I believe, were the two receivers that have entered the transfer portal recently from, the, from Oklahoma? Yes. I would love and to have on
1: Hazelwood, according to 24-7 Sports's database of transfers, They've got him listed as the top wide receiver transfer in this current crop. Hazelwood, of course, Weese—the guy that you just mentioned—was a former five-star receiver, according to Rivals. He's another guy that's in the portal. The receiver out of Syracuse, Taj Harris, yes. has already committed to Kentucky. Yep. So that is not an option. But there are some other players here. Of course, the transfer portal is not at its fullest yet. These are the early stages of players entering the transfer portal. I'm sure other names will come available. And then there's always that second wave after the spring as well that we learned about last year in our first edition of the transfer portal with this new rule where guys can see where they stand after the spring and then elect to make a move elsewhere. That will be the second wave. I think what you'll see is a steady flow of guys as we get to bowl season over these next couple of weeks and then after the bowl game and then after the spring games when those wrap up I think you'll get the fullest extent of the portal but over these next couple weeks I would keep your
2: eye on some guys yeah, 100%. I think Auburn is going to, and this is, this was a topic of conversation even in the offseason earlier on this year, is looking forward down the line. This is something that you've been talking about a lot, Noah, is Auburn's roster isn't necessarily going to be barren next season, but there are certainly going to be a lot of guys that are leaving and graduating. So Auburn is going to have to try and piece together a roster for next season not necessarily for the future but I think specifically for 2022 they've got to be able to fill some of those holes and then get on the recruiting trail and then really start to hit some of these 2023 recruits hard and that's something that's been a point of emphasis I think with this coaching staff you look at the recruiting list you look at who they're bringing to come watch games they're looking at that 2023 class it's not like they've necessarily abandoned this 2022 recruiting class, it's just, I think Auburn in a lot of different spots, including on offensive line, including receiver, including multiple holes on the defense. I think they're going to have to look at guys in the transfer portal and uh, what, what better way to uh, to kick things off than really recruiting guys like Theo Weese and, J- uh, and Jadon Hasselwood. Uh, as as hard as you possibly can. I think Auburn's got to be able to go after those guys early. And like you said, it is the early stages of the transfer portal. Things obviously are going to come out as the months go along. Auburn's going to have opportunity to get guys that currently aren't in the portal. But as of right now... There are
1: more coaching changes to be had that's going to affect this.
2: Absolutely. But right now, I think because the coaching staff has an early start on things and because they're not playing in an S, in a championship game or anything like that, I think they really need to hit the both the recruit trail and the transfer portal as hard as they can right now and I'm I'm sure that they're doing that
1: and on top of that like I just mentioned you're going to see more coaching changes across college football not in Auburn's program you might see more in Auburn's program I doubt it I think the one coaching change that was going to occur via a fire or asking someone to leave that has already occurred now could someone else get poached sure that's the nature of the coaching carousel but looking around college football Oklahoma and Notre Dame still have openings to fill. That is going to draw interest from major coaches across college football. When those coaches leave, that is going to potentially send some players into the transfer portal because their coach just left. But then once those coaches went to fill Notre Dame and Oklahoma, all of a sudden you have more schools in the coaching carousel, in the coaching portal, if you will. And then someone else has to fill those and so on and so forth. And as more and more coaches move around from from location to location, you are going to see more transfers enter the portal. This is just the beginning days of the coaching searches out there and of the coaching carousel. It's just the beginning days of the transfer portal, and there will be more and more guys to enter. But, of course, none as prestigious as the guys coming out of Oklahoma and Theo Weiss and Jadon Hazelwood it would be a massive bump to Auburn if they could go and get guys like that because that would be stealing receivers away from teams like the likes of Alabama Clemson Ohio State and as we saw in last year's transfer portal they're in the market and with Clemson losing Justin Ross and with their suboptimal season on the offensive end you're going to have to fight teams like Clemson, who I already know is probably going to be in the market for receivers. Alabama's always looking to add talented players, such as, in this year's case, a Jamison Williams. And I think receiver death was a concern for Alabama this year, even though it showed up in the Iron Bowl out of nowhere. They'll be in the market for receivers. Ohio State is another school that's going to lose two guys to the draft and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. You talk about those two guys leaving – those three schools right there that dominating, that are dominating in the recruiting sphere and in the recruiting landscape, those three schools are schools that you're going to have to beat out for guys that are transferring out of places like LSU, Oklahoma, USC, and then eventually, if anybody decides to transfer out of Notre Dame and other major coaching locations that see coaching changes, you're going to have to beat out places like Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, and that's going to be a challenge.
2: Ole Miss could potentially have an opening coming soon. I think there are a lot of different other places that you could be looking at uh, as well that could be opening up. Who knows? Mario Cristobal may finally decide to make a move if somebody wants to offer him uh, a, a, a head coaching job, could potentially look at the Miami job. But still, there's a lot to be decided over these next few months. But like we were saying earlier, Auburn is going to need to, while they can now, get to some of these guys that are entering the transfer portal early and hopefully they won't have to to fight against teams like clemson if they can get to them quicker
1: let's talk about another transfer here before we go to break ladarius tennyson a late arrival to the transfer portal yesterday 4:30 p.m was the update via 24 7 sports in the article written by nathan king tennyson entered yesterday i'm bummed about this one too Ladarius Tennyson was playing his best football at the end of this season and he looked like he was beginning to get comfortable at the various defensive back positions. He is a versatile defender. He's good in run stopping. I still think you're looking for his coverage to come along, but this is another guy who found himself buried in the depth chart at the beginning of this season and until Auburn began to sustain injuries in the back half and began to have guys ejected for targeting and whatnot until you get into the back half and depth started to be an issue and a concern. You didn't see Ladarius Tennyson until the end of the season, and he started making the most of his opportunity at the end of the year. That's why I'm bummed about this guy because you see all the talent in the world, and he's played well, I think, whenever he's been on the field.
2: I think he's certainly a hard hitter, and I I think he played well as a reserve for the Tigers, but I don't think that he was going to blossom into any sort of consistently reliable starter. Now, I do agree with you. I think he was playing well in the opportunities that he had in the back half of the season, but... I don't know if he was necessarily going to be that guy. And I'm not saying that the coaching staff is right every single time they make a decision to start one guy and to bench another. But I think there was a reason that he was not starting over some of the guys in Auburn's already iffy secondary. So while I do do like what Tennyson brought to the table both last season and this year in the moments that he got to play, look I understand moving forward why he would want to transfer and I understand why he would want to go pursue playing opportunities elsewhere so I'm not necessarily mad at this move I would have liked to have if you asked me what I've wanted to keep Tennyson or what I've wanted him to leave I would have wanted to keep him because I think he is a valuable depth piece and I think that he does work well whenever Auburn doesn't necessarily have that guy in front of him whether it be an injury or targeting or whatever.
1: I don't want to keep any of these guys. I think they all have something to offer Auburn moving forward, but that's just the name of the game, and I wish all of these guys the best in their future endeavors and at their future universities, especially a guy like Sean Shivers. Man, go and get you a 1,000-yard rushing season. Go and add another 250 receiving yards and go and put a bunch of touchdowns in a basket and carry it to the NFL. I really hope Sean Shivers can get to a place, whether it's a low-tier Power Five school or go and show out at a group of five school and maybe, just maybe, get a look with an NFL team. The size is going to hurt him, but we have seen really small running backs thrive in the NFL as receiving backs. You think back to one of the guys who first coined it In this century, you think about a Darren Sproles. You think about Demetrik Felton currently with the Browns. There are guys who have done this in the NFL. Sean Shivers has an uphill battle, but if he can go and put up a statistical season for a group of five or a low-tier power five school that catches people's eyes, he'll have a shot. So let's take a quick break here. We're listening to On the Line, and we'll be back talking a little Auburn basketball. The scouting report on the UCF Knights coming up. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. One segment down on the Wednesday edition of On the Line talking Auburn football transfers over the last two days. So far, just five. No more additions today that I have seen. I wouldn't be surprised if more guys come or if they just Elect to not take the COVID year for football and they decide to move on themselves. We'll continue to talk about those transfers and the situation it puts Auburn in moving forward because I think you're going to see several position groups this upcoming season for Auburn. When you get to the 2022 year, you are going to see several position groups look very different. But we're going to pivot the conversation now to talking a little basketball as Auburn men's basketball has a big game coming up against the UCF Knights, a revenge game against the UCF Knights, trying to avenge last year's loss to the Knights down in Orlando. Number to call, 334-321-1390, is what will put you through to On the Line. We are taking your calls all show long. Lance, getting into the scouting report on the UCF Knights, what do we know about them?
2: Well, for starters, I think this is a really important statistic here, and I think everything that we talk about with this team is kind of going to stem off of this statistic in one way or another. According to Kenpom.com, UCF's defense, their average possession length on defense is 20 seconds even, which is 356th nationally. I think that's third worst, so to speak, uh, nationally. So they really let teams – it's it's one of two things. They either pressure the ball – all the way up the court and they make possession make offenses work for their possessions or the other thing they let teams get into their sets and they they force them, Uh, into turnovers and they they create pressure in the half court their turnover percentage on defense is 16th nationally a quarter of the time whenever you bring the ball up the court against UCF on your possession you are going to turn the ball over one fourth of the time which is absolutely insane this uh, this team likes to put a lot of pressure on the ball and it's what's led them to uh, to uh, have some really solid defense not just this season but it really caused a lot of problems for Auburn last year so I think the the ball pressure is the most important thing with this UCF team. They put a lot of pressure on the ball defensively.
1: I'll tell you, this was the game last year where I realized, oh, this Auburn basketball team's not very good. Mm -hmm. And of course, the loss came after they had already been blown out by Gonzaga. And you could have seen some issues with the team through those first two games, but everybody was going to get blown out by Gonzaga earlier in the season. And then You saw a tough game against, who was it, St. Joseph's or St. Bonaventure? I can't remember which one, but you saw Auburn play a close game there against a team that had struggled the year before, but it was earlier in the year. But then when I saw the offensive struggles that they had against UCF, I began to think, hmm, this team's probably not going to be very good and fortunately for auburn there was a tournament ban last year right so they weren't going to make the tournament anyway even if they didn't have the ban. i don't think last year's team was good enough to make the ncaa tournament at least the way that the offense played now of course there were some extenuating circumstances like the point guard situation and not having a true point guard for like two-thirds of the season that's going to kill any team this ucf team though i still think last year they were a good team this year they're still a good team of course You were talking about the defense just a moment ago, and what scares me so much about this team, and you were bringing up the Ken Palm numbers, they are 284th in the country in adjusted tempo, meaning they are one of the slower basketball teams in the country. Now, when a team presses the full length of the floor like UCF does, a lot of times that jogs something in people's minds that would make you think they want to play fast. They actually use the press in a counterintuitive way. It's to slow down the game. In the offense, they are going to play a slower half-court brand of basketball where they're going to work for their shots. They are not going to move it fast on the offensive end of the floor. On defense, they're looking to slow the game down with their press. It could take you... 10 to 15 seconds just to get in the right position on the other end of the floor to be able to run your first play, which is half of the shot clock already eliminated. If this press is working at the level they want it to, which could be a major danger to this Auburn team that has struggled getting into the half court and making the most of their opportunities. We saw them come a ways in the battle for Atlantis tournament in that area of their game but they're still growing. This is a trap game for me. I'm terrified of tonight's action between Auburn and UCF. I could see this UCF team beat Auburn. Not saying that UCF is more talented, not saying that UCF is a better basketball team than Auburn, but I see this as a bad matchup for Auburn.
2: I completely agree. I don't think this is a good matchup. And what have Bruce Pearl teams struggled against in the past, especially in the half court? High ball pressure against the guards. The offense really has a tough time getting things going if they uh, if if teams elect to put pressure on the uh, on the guards specifically, and that could be an issue in this game. I'm not saying Auburn's guards are bad. I think Wendell Green, Zepp, Jasper, Katie Johnson are all phenomenal. I think Auburn may look to Katie Johnson in this game quite a bit, considering he is the most physical guard of those three. I believe they may try and get him to maybe potentially break some of these presses, just physically brute forcing his way through. Um, But but if Auburn is going to try and play against this UCF defense, I think they will try and elect to break the press more often than not. At least I would try and do that because I think Auburn is the more talented team. I think they can run better than this UCF squad, and you do not want to get this game into a slow kind of methodical pace I don't think that's the way Auburn wants to play in this game because that plays right into what UCF wants to do so I think trying to create some tempo trying to push the ball down the court and then I think the final thing that Auburn has to do well to win this game is shoot well teams are shooting about 30 percent from three on UCF so far this season about 43 percent from the floor and then UCF themselves they're shooting almost 38 percent from three and they're shooting uh 46 percent from the field and they are actually one of the best free throw shooting teams as well at 81.9 percent so Auburn is going to have to be efficient and push the ball down the court and they're going to have to be quick with it I think that Auburn is a more talented basketball team than UCF but like you said Noah Auburn has had issues against pressure in the past and I really do not like this matchup whatsoever
1: UCF strength of schedule isn't the best in the world they are in the 200s on ken palm whereas auburn is at 63 i think there's still a lot to find out about this ucf basketball team
2: i completely agree more of on the line on the other side of this break stick with us
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 1067 at Fox Board Central, Alabama. Fun show so far today. We got about 30 minutes left in the first hour. Two segments down here on the Wednesday edition of the show. Before we keep going along talking Auburn football, Auburn basketball. I want to take a moment to acknowledge this week's Point Broadband High School Player of the Week, and it's Lee Scott Academy's Emma Frances Zellner. The Senior Four dominated in Lee Scott's 2-0 week in the Lee Scott Classic last week, averaging 24.5 points per game, including a 31-point performance against Tuscaloosa Academy. Emma Francis Zellner, your Point Broadband High School Player of the Week. Point Broadband, smarter, faster, fiber internet, point-broadband.com. As well as that is also a great segue into talking about the Super 7 being played in Birmingham starting tonight with the 7A state championship game between Central Phoenix City and Thompson. This is the third time in the last four years that these two schools have met in the state championship game.
2: And it's a shame that Auburn High was not able to make it. I believe they had a 17-7 to lead on Central, didn't they? They did. Man, what could have been? What could have been? But yeah, props to these two teams. I'm really excited to see what Caleb Nix does in this matchup. I'm really hoping to see some good things from him. I'm surprised his offer list is not is not more it is not he he doesn't have any more high profile offers than he already does. I believe he's got what offers from Samford, Troy. I think is one of the offers that he has. I'm expecting him to get some more offers as the uh, as the off season begins because he is a really talented athlete.
1: Looking at some of the other state championship games, of course, the Thursday schedule in 5A, it's Pike Road against Pleasant Grove. Pike Road, the school that has Curtis Perry, Auburn target, playing for them in a state championship game, as well as the 3A state title game, Montgomery Academy against Piedmont, and then Sweetwater against Wadley in 1A. And then on Friday, you've got in 2A, Clark County against Cleveland. At least one Cleveland can make it to a championship game, <laughs> but this is not my Cleveland Browns. These are the Cleveland Panthers. So that's in 2A and then in 4A Viger against Aniana and then in 6A Huey Town basketball on grass, they average over 50 points a game. They take on an undefeated Clay Chalkville. That 6A state championship game look central phoenix city and thompson that's going to be an incredible ball game 100 percent those two teams are loaded with division one talent that 6a state championship game is going to be a barn burner Town averaging over 55 points a game against clay chalkville that one's at 7 p.m on friday the last state championship game to be played out in birmingham
2: i want to go back to curtis perry talking about uh he the fact that he's playing uh this weekend look Alabama currently, according to 24-7 Sports, has all three of the crystal balls, but a crystal ball hasn't been submitted since October 4th, and Curtis Perry did just recently after the Iron Bowl say that Auburn was his current leader. That is a recruit that a lot of fans should be keeping an eye on.
1: He's had the last visit as well. He visited Alabama on November 20th, visited Auburn obviously this past weekend, so that is a factor. Not always does a recruit choose the last place that he visited, but sometimes sometimes That last visit, if strategically placed and done well enough, could help you steal a recruit. And I'm not sure when his decision date is coming up. 24-7 Sports doesn't have anything up right now about a decision date. And they would have that there if the recruit had announced a decision date. I'm sure it'll be coming, though, in the next month or so. I'll be interested to talk with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com about that to see what he knows about Curtis Perry's recruitment moving forward. Of course, the number 69 player nationally on 24-7 sports composite, number 11 defensive lineman in this 2022 class, foot 6'2", 265-pound defensive lineman. If Almard sticks with this 3-4 front, he's going to be one of those interior defensive ends. He's not going to play nose tackle. He's going to play one of those beefier defensive end roles as opposed to playing outside the tackle. I think he could line up outside the tackle with that size, but I would imagine Auburn would probably add a little bit more weight onto him and have him play that interior defensive end position in the 3-4 scheme. And Auburn desperately needs someone to bookend with Colby Wooden who, of course, doesn't have that much longer and the collegiate game, I don't believe. He could go pro if he wanted to this year, I think, but it would serve him best to stay in college to continue to build his draft stock. But, of course, he's already got three years on a Curtis Perry coming in. So Auburn's needing to rejuvenate a defensive line that's lacking a lot of talent and getting a guy like Curtis Perry... Pair him up with a Lee Hunter on that defensive line who we didn't see a whole lot of this year. There's a bright future with some high-profile recruits if you can land a Curtis Perry. He's one to watch.
2: Is there a guy Auburn has on roster right now that you would compare to Perry, or is there a guy that Auburn's had in the past that you would compare to Perry?
1: Hmm. And I'll be honest, I haven't gotten to see Curtis Perry at the high school level, of course. The school that he was at originally park crossing before he transferred this year to pike road was set to play auburn high school or they did play auburn high school in week one so we didn't get to get an eye on curtis perry this year so that's a hard question for me to answer because i haven't gotten to watch curtis play curtis perry play high school football
2: i think i'm just watching him right now i do kind of think that he has that colby wooden type of play and I think that he will play that certain type of role Uh, he he does line up at least on the highlights that I've seen he lines up well on the edge he's a really good edge rusher but like you said he's probably going to be one of those interior defensive linemen uh, for the Tigers he won't play nose tackle definitely he's about 80 pounds
1: short of where he needs to be at or 70 pounds short of where he needs to be at to be a nose tackle in this scheme and I expect Auburn to stick with a 3-4 and I want them to stick with a 3-4 I like This defensive scheme it just wasn't executed well this year I don't like it for the players that Auburn has currently on the roster but if you recruit for it it can be a very good defense I think you could look at one day and of course you have to get the players for it to play out like this and to play at this level but I think if you can get the right personnel in and the right recruits in you can get a Georgia type product not executing to the level of holding people below 10 points per game, of course, but you can get a similar type of play out of this unit. That's what this coaching staff, after they played Georgia, this coaching staff said, we want to look like that down the line. And I don't disagree with them. I think that's a good model. I I think that's a good model for them to model their program after.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, you're going to have to be able to start getting some of these guys on the recruiting trail. And I think Curtis Perry would be a great recruit to get early on in Brian Harson's tenure. But as we were talking about just a little bit earlier in the show, I think this season, again, the 2022 class is not forfeit. You, you were going to get some guys left like Curtis Perry. You're going to pick up some of those guys before the class officially ends. But the, the transfer portal for this next season, I think, is your best friend until you can start to get some of those five star 2023 guys, because I think Auburn's on the running for a lot of different guys in the 2023 class.
1: Moving along in our show today, number to call 334-321-1390. If you want to call into the show, ask us questions, give your takes. We'll talk to you about anything going on in the sports world. We'll begin to preview some of the championship games taking place this upcoming weekend across college football, namely the SEC championship game. We'll talk to you about anything. If there's Alabama, Georgia fans out there, I know we talk a lot of Auburn on this show, but if you want to call in and talk about that title game, we want to talk to you about it. There's still a lot of great football to be hatched out this season I want to go back to some Auburn basketball right now we were talking about this Auburn UCF game before we went to break UCF Knights bad matchup for Auburn I believe but there is an opportunity here for Auburn to surprise us and take a big step forward this is the type of team that I think could be Auburn's Achilles heel this year the type of team that plays really good defense is fundamentally sound, methodical on offense, is able to drain the life out of you because of the tempo in which they play and how physical they are on the defensive end. If Auburn can overcome this type of team early, then I think they have a great shot of taking major strides throughout the rest of non-conference play and into conference season. This team could win a regular season SEC title if they can find a way to overcome squads like this. They will run into teams like this in SEC play. We know Auburn is talented. We know Auburn is just as talented as Tennessee. Auburn's honestly played better than Tennessee at this point in the year. They maybe don't have as illustrious of a top win as Tennessee, because right now you'd say Auburn's best win is against a Syracuse or a Loyola Chicago, and Tennessee has some ranked wins at this point. But I think Auburn's every bit as talented as Tennessee. I think Auburn's been playing about as good as Tennessee at this point Kentucky looks to be the best team in the SEC at this point, but I think they're beatable. Arkansas has been slow. Alabama took a bad loss last week. We know Auburn can take these teams, and I think Auburn, if they play a team like an Alabama that's playing the game the way that Auburn wants to play the game, they're going to have a good shot to win those types of matchups. It's when they play teams like Ole Miss that could trip Auburn up in a midweek in some of these trap games where Auburn could accrue a loss or two too many that could prevent them from winning an SEC championship everybody loses a bad game or two in conference play it happens everybody loses to someone that was inferior to them in conference play it happens but Auburn can't have it happen on a reoccurring basis against teams like Ole Miss because you can't overcome a certain style of play
2: Yeah, I'm looking at both uh, schools from the state of Mississippi as potentially being issues for Auburn this season. Both of them really sound on the the defensive end, especially Mississippi State. And I'll say something about some of these top programs. I mean, Tennessee's good, but like you said, they're vulnerable. Kentucky's good, but they're beatable. Alabama's good, but we saw what they did against Iona. Arkansas may be undefeated right now, but let me tell you the issue with Arkansas. I watched that pin game that they had just a few days ago. And I've, I've watched a couple other games that they played. I, I watched the uh, the season opener against Mercer as well. The issue with Arkansas is that it's very similar to what Auburn and Bruce Pearl have dealt with in the past, is all five guys want to, to play hero ball on offense. They want to be the one that shoots. And I don't think there's a lot of defensive intensity there. I think they work well as a unit as at times. But I think all of their players, whenever they get onto the floor, are focused on shooting the basketball instead of working in offense as a team. Now, in isolation, I think so far that's worked well. This, so far this season, they're scoring almost 80 points a game, but... I'm interested to see what this team looks like whenever they do run into a team like Auburn or a team like Kentucky, which is just as that that is uh, just as talented and can play some defense. Arkansas needs to gel. I think there's a little bit of chemistry that needs to develop before they can truly become a top four, top three program in the SEC. But yeah, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, Arkansas. I mean, there's a lot of tough teams that will give Auburn a run for their money in conference play.
1: You are mentioning Ole Miss. Ole Miss right now 35th in Kim Palm's defensive efficiency. Mississippi State 46th, Arkansas 21st. Those teams play good defense, and they all play similar brands of defense. Arkansas is a team that I think of right away, but now that you mention them, uh, that Arkansas game – I don't like that matchup. I don't like that one either because they like to press. And I think this Auburn team, if they get slowed down because of a press, not necessarily sped up, Auburn wants to run. Arkansas plays fast. They press a ton. They're 32nd in tempo. On the flip side, you look at UCF tonight. UCF is 284th in tempo, but they press all night. They use the press differently. Arkansas wants to run. They have quick offensive possessions. Still, I'm not going to like teams – this year for Auburn as matchups if they press Auburn because it's going to slow Auburn down on the offensive end and then Arkansas could force it into turnovers get quick buckets on the other end as well as offensively they're going to look to run as well and score in transition and artificially accelerate the ball game with shorter possessions so and Arkansas's got the talent to do it so that's why I'm a little afraid of that matchup too. Arkansas is going to be an issue. And then the two Mississippi schools, I like that you pointed that out. Let's talk about this UCF team tonight. UCF has not played the strongest schedule yet this season. They've played Robert Morris, beat them by 10 Kentucky beat them by 50. They've played Miami beat Miami by six, but this Miami program is a far cry away from what they were in the early 2010s. They beat Jacksonville by nine on their home floor They beat Evansville by 16, and they just lost by three to Oklahoma, which this Oklahoma team looks decent, maybe a top 25 team by the time we get to conference play when everybody's playing conference play in January and February, but right now still not at their optimal level. This UCF team has really not been challenged by a team like Auburn yet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that Auburn is the best team that they have played up until this point and look like you said Oklahoma I think they're decent but I don't, I don't think that they're on Auburn's level I think Auburn is going to win this game tonight but again like we've been talking about all show I think UCF is certainly going to give Auburn some issues because they play the brand of basketball that Bruce Pearl teams in my opinion struggle mightily against which is just a lot of pressure on the guards and I would like to see I would like to see Auburn try and break that this, this, this evening. I would like to see them try and break that press and try and shoot out of it. And with the way that they played in the final two games of the Bahamas, I would expect Auburn to play well shooting the basketball tonight. So UCF, like you mentioned, has not really played any tough opponent that would be relative to Auburn. Again, like you mentioned, they played Miami, they played Oklahoma, but those teams are just not on the level of the Tigers. So I think that UCF is a good basketball team. I think they're sound on a lot of areas. I think they're shooting efficiently for the pace of play that they have uh, have had so far this season. Tough matchup, but if we're predicting it, I think Auburn wins, but I think it will be close.
1: A team that I would compare UCF to that Auburn's played already, actually two teams, they play similar to USF and look at how bad Auburn struggled on the offensive end against USF in that game, but they still fought through it, and then... Loyola Chicago, another team that I think plays the game similarly. Not as much pressure full court via the press, but from a team that plays really good defense in the half court as well and plays a fundamental brand of basketball and a methodical style on the offensive end. Loyola Chicago in tempo is at 290, whereas UCF is at 284. Loyola Chicago is 40th in defensive efficiency. UCF, according to Ken Palm, is 70th. But both of those teams, we know that's what they take pride in And when you hear Bruce Pearl talk about UCF, there's a reason why he talks them up and says this could be the second toughest team that Auburn's played at this point, aside from UConn. There's a reason why he says that. You know why he says it? It's because he knows these are the types of teams that his squads tend to struggle with, like you were talking about, Lance. I think that's part of it. but. Let's take a quick break here. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. Still talking about Auburn basketball's game tonight against UCF as well as Auburn football transfers alongside all the great basketball action on TV tonight. You don't want to miss the end of the first hour of On the Line coming up here on the Wednesday edition of the show. (music) Wrapping up hour number one of the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on today's show. Talking Auburn basketball. But before we get back to the conversation, let's take a look at some of the sports action on TV tonight as the ACC Big Ten Challenge has its final night tonight. Three games are in the six fifteen time slot on ESPN. It's Louisville at number twenty-two, Michigan State. Virginia Tech is at Maryland on ESPN two and Nebraska is at NC State on ESPNU. Moving to 8:15. three games yet again. Number 24, Michigan, is at North Carolina on ESPN. Number 23, Wisconsin, at Georgia Tech on ESPN2. And Miami is at Penn State on ESPNU. Not the greatest final night that you are looking to crescendo with in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The game of the event was last night with Ohio State closing out on Duke on a 12-0 run to knock off the number one team in the nation for the second straight week in a row.
2: Yeah, and I think that Duke the issue that they had in this game is they they shot really poorly from the field, but specifically from three. Duke has not been a good sh- three-point shooting team so far this year, shooting about I believe 32% from the from uh from three. They uh did not shoot very well in this game, shot 28.6%. Meanwhile, Ohio State 8 of 20 from three. They were uh, shooting almost 40, yeah, they were shooting 48 percent from the floor. It was just not an efficient night uh, for the Blue Devils props to Ohio State for, uh, for locking up some of Duke's talented players. Any of these games catch your eye in particular? Tonight, yeah, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. While, like you said, it's not the flashiest group of games, I will be excited to see the way that Wisconsin plays Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was a NCAA tournament team uh, last year. That's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Michigan-UNC is going to be fun. Louisville-Michigan State is going to be awesome. Nebraska currently 5-2. and two. They're playing against NC State. I mean, all of these games I think are fun outside of maybe the Miami-Penn State matchup. I'm really looking forward to seeing all all five of the other games play out but specifically lost uh go ahead specifically for me i think i will be watching that wisconsin georgia tech game
1: i'll probably flip over not because i think it catches my interest but because auburn plays them in the upcoming weeks Mm -hmm. i'll probably flip over to the nebraska game i'm shocked to see that they're five and two after losing a bye game at the start of the season to the western illinois leathernecks Five and two, they're on the road at NC State on ESPNU. Let's see if this team's got some teeth or if they get blown out tonight. And if they get blown out tonight, then I would imagine that Auburn will be able to handle them in holiday Hoops Giving in Atlanta. That's not this weekend. I think that's two Saturdays from now, I believe. Yes, that's two Saturdays from now. So not this Saturday, the 4th, but Saturday, the 11th, following this weekend. So I'll probably flip over to that to catch what Nebraska's got going on louisville at michigan state's got my eye want to know where this louisville team is at of course michigan state into the top 25 do they fumble away what should be a win for them on their home floor and does louisville maybe catch some people's attention to get inside the top 25 michigan at north carolina has lost a little bit of the joy that you could have had in that early season matchup because you could have had two top 25 teams there but this is a chance for north carolina to get a good win on its resume
2: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Again, all of these games really exciting with the way Michigan's playing right now. I'd kind of like to see them bounce back against what has been just a really rough stretch of four games. They lost to Seton Hall. It was a close game against UNLV. They lost to Arizona and was a close game against Tarleton State. I would like to see them kind of rejuvenate themselves offensively uh, playing the Tar Heels, but it could be tough because North Carolina averaging 83 points a game right now
1: georgia will play memphis tonight at home outside of this acc big 10 challenge hosting the number 18 tigers georgia two and five this year
2: oof that is going to be a rough game it was actually really fun last season whenever georgia played on the road against memphis but uh could be a blowout potentially tonight that's going to do it for our number one of on the line hour number two coming up in just a moment
0: Why? Oh, two
1: Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on the Wednesday edition of the show on ESPN 1067 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. A fun show so far today. And if you missed any of it, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and I Heart radio Number to call 334 321 1390. And I want to go back to where I started today's show with Auburn football seeing several players transfer over the last 24 hours or so we'll talk about what that means for the program moving forward but we're going to head to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 and Keith is on the line with us Keith how's it going today
3: hey I'm good uh yeah I was just uh, I haven't been able to listen so uh until now so I was just wondering uh who's the hottest uh candidate for offensive coordinator
1: you know, I'll tell you who I think it's going to be. And there's some names that are out there in pretty much any article you can go out there and read. And they're all west of Louisiana. None of them, I'm not really attracted to any of those guys coming to Auburn. I, I don't think that they've been very successful up to this point, a guy like Zach Kill or Grimes at Baylor. I'm not I'm not really wanting to see any of those guys come to Auburn. I want this to be an internal move. I want them to promote Eric Keysaw from wide receivers coach to offensive coordinator. He was Brian Harson's OC at Boise State during the 2019 to 2020 seasons. I think they'll work well together. And seeing what he did with the receivers, if he can improve that group as much as he did in the back half of the season, I think he could do well as the head man of the offense.
2: I will also say, while I do think he is definitely being looked at, and I think he may be one of the final guys that Auburn makes a decision on Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator at USC and Andy Ludwig, who uh, played quarterback with Brian Harson uh, at Boise state back in the day, Andy Ludwig, the current Utah offensive coordinator. Those are two guys. Those are two guys that have recently entered just the, uh, the, the, uh, the list of names that Auburn, I believe are looking at right now.
3: Okay. Um, with the other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, I know there's a lot of factors and don't know the grades and all that kind of stuff, but I, you know, I mentioned this guy on uh, the other show here a while back. I was just impressed with him from just watching clips, and it's uh, the number 10 for uh, uh the uh, uh Huey Town, uh, Demetrius Coleman, and you know, he's committed to go to coastal Carolina, but uh, I'm continued to be impressed with him when I saw his last game and he just looks like an elite athlete. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of factors, grades and character and everything else, but I just, uh, wish that he would get a look from Auburn. Uh, don't know anything about him, no ties to him, but, uh, really impressed with that guy.
1: Where did you say he played high school football at or he plays high school football at Huey town. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to go do some research on that because I'm not familiar with the player that you're mentioning. Let me go and do some research on that, and then we'll come back to it later on in the show. But I'm I'm curious to find out about this about this recruit. You say he plays for Hueytown right now?
3: Yeah, number 10. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I'll go back and I'll check that out. I, I did a search for a Demetrius Coleman out there, and it says there's a guy that plays at Callaway. So I'm going to have to go and do some digging there. But if Auburn can – look, Auburn needs all the help that they can get. So if you say this guy's a dog, well, then I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Man, he's uh, he's an
3: elite athlete. I, he, I've seen him make the uh, one-hand catches. I, I've seen him break away on runs, and I don't, you know, uh, they, they have uh, good teams chasing him, and, and he looks like he's got a little Eric Dickerson in him. The way it, his, his, his gate on him, and he's about six-two, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think if uh, if he does go to Coastal Carolina, they got him a good one, from what I can tell. You know, just but you know, I'm just I've just seen his highlights and clips of four or five games and every game it looks good to me
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, deandre coleman is who you're is who you're mentioning deandre coleman you know they're playing yeah. in the state championship game this weekend um keith did you happen to I, I i don't know where you're from or anything like that but did you happen to see huey town and opelika play a couple of weeks ago in the playoffs i i don't know if that's the reason why you're bringing him up or anything like that i know we have some yeah. opelika listeners but um i would imagine no. considering that Hueytown averages 55 points a game this guy's a big part of it
3: oh yeah he's the uh, the main stud i mean they'll line him up in in the uh shotgun they'll line him up at running back occasionally and uh he's their go-to guy he'll he'll go up and get the 50 50 ball I, I didn't see the opelika game but i did uh, the, the first game it just came on my youtube and it was a uh, Uh, Hueytown in Spain park, I think. And then, uh, I watched them play hewitt trustful. Uh, I think it was, or, uh, whatever Hillcrest, I guess Tuscaloosa was. And, uh, he made some more great plays in that game, but, uh, I just think that he he ought to get a look anyway.
1: And there's a lot of those guys I've covered some high school football in the five, a four, a area. And, um, you know, you know, you talk about those classifications, those I've saw. So I've seen some dudes playing high school football at that level. They just haven't gotten the look that they've deserved. And that's unfortunately the nature of this recruiting ranking driven era. Uh, A lot of guys at those levels, I think look like they can be elite college football players. They just don't get the, they don't get the views that they need. They don't get the eyeballs onto them. And for one reason or other, whether or not they're not going to camps, they're not getting seen by these sec coaches but if they've got the intangibles, like a DeAndre Coleman that you're mentioning, who according to his 24-7 sports page at 6'2", 200, if this guy can move, uh, I like the physicals. I like what I see there at 6'2", 200. And if he's fast, uh, you could teach him ball skills. Keith, we appreciate the call, my man. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. That was Keith on the line with us. DeAndre Coleman out of Hueytown was who he was mentioning class of 2022 wide receiver currently a hard commit to coastal carolina as of october 22nd he's a three-star rate number 158 in the 24 7 sports composite rankings for wide receivers i'm trying to pull up his offer sheet but i can't get my internet to work for uh, me to go through the link but he's got schools like coastal carolina chattanooga ecu akron on this list chattanooga as well so a lot of group
2: of five schools, but no real power five offers. He's got an offer from Penn State. He's got an offer from Mississippi State, West Virginia, Virginia, but it is it's South Carolina, but it is mostly group of five schools. And just watching a little bit of his tape just now, and you mentioned the fact that he's 6'2", 200, you know who he, he, he reminds me of just looking at some of the plays that Town runs with him? Darius Slayton, who uh, was 6'2", about 190, Uh, for Auburn they they like to run those deep shots it looks like to uh, DeAndre Coleman and they also like to run those screens uh, that Gus Malzahn like to throw to Darius Slate and he looks like that type of guy so if he's uh, got a little bit of speed uh, could be a really good pickup for Coastal
1: I don't know who all is going to the state championship games out of our coverage area whether it be in Auburn Opelika or going up the 280 corridor all the way into Chelsea and South Birmingham and even in Montgomery as well. I don't know how many people are going to the state championship games, but if you are going to the Super 7 just because you like good high school football, Huey Town is playing in the 6A state championship against Clay Chalkville on Friday at 7 p.m. It's the last state championship game of the week. And, um, you know, I know that I know it's a little bit of a hike, of department camp, If you're down here in this area, it's two hours just to go uh, see you know, a couple teams that maybe you're not familiar with, but it's still really good high school football that's being played. And Then, of course, we have listeners in the Phoenix City area. I'm sure they're going to go see their team tonight uh, playing against Thompson in the 7A State Championship game tonight in the Super 7 as they get the festivities started for the week. A lot of great high school football going on the week. DeAndre Coleman was somebody that I was not familiar with, more than likely just because he doesn't have an offer from Auburn on his offer sheet but if Keith if Keith says he's a dog he's six foot two two hundred he's fast uh you know I I believe him he's a dog
2: yeah for sure and after after looking at him I mean this could be a really sneaky good pickup for for Coastal as a three-star he looks like a really talented guy looks like a physical uh wide receiver and man he would be somebody great for Auburn to look at if they aren't already because I'm sure if Auburn wanted this kid they could probably get him from Coastal
1: number to call 334-321-1390 if you want to call into on the line anything on your mind out there in the sports world we'll talk to you about it we're discussing Auburn players entering the transfer portal and what this means for the Tigers moving forward as of this moment five guys have entered the transfer portal. We've already talked about Ladarius Tennyson and Elijah Cannon a little bit. We mentioned Sean Shivers yesterday as well. Let's talk about the offensive line. Tayshaun Manning had a COVID year to use. He is going to be using it, but he's going to be using it elsewhere. Tayshaun Manning was one of Auburn's backup guards, one of the first guys off the bench when they had to go to someone to fill in on the offensive line. He's played in many games this season, maybe even almost all of them. The senior offensive guard is going to be transferring You saw a lot of offensive linemen. If you paid attention to Senior Day festivities, you saw a lot of offensive linemen walk through that tunnel. Tells me that this offensive line is going to look drastically different next year.
2: Yeah, and I'm really curious to see where Tayshawn Manning ends up because he was recruited. He was a defensive lineman coming out of high school, I believe, but he was recruited to play O-line at Auburn I'm just looking through his offer sheet right here I mean he had an offer from UCF you could maybe see him end up with Gus Malzahn at UCF here could be a possibility but there were there were not a lot of incredibly impressive offers uh, on his on his list so I'm curious to see now that he's playing O-line where he ends up and then like you mentioned Auburn's probably going to be bringing in a lot of O-line recruits over the next couple of years, and they're probably going to be hitting the transfer portal as well. Auburn's trying to stack up at that position after having a couple of really difficult years under Malzahn. I'm curious to see who they bring in to kind of replace some of these guys that will be leaving, because I don't doubt that Manning is the only guy that's going to be entering the transfer portal. I would imagine that somebody else will at some point.
1: Well, Auburn offered FIU transfer offensive tackle Miles Frazier today. Miles Fraser has been in the FIU program I believe since the 2020 football season so we still got a lot of experience left on his plate in college football 6 foot 6 300 but I'll tell you this before you turn your nose at an FIU transfer there are some major programs offering this individual namely Miami and Florida yep. State they have entered the picture.
2: Yeah, I was just looking at that, uh, Miami and Florida State, both looking at this kid, six foot six, 300-pound offensive tackle. Man, if FIU's found a way to develop him and, and Miami and Florida State are looking at him, I think that could be a great pickup for Auburn given their state on the offensive line next season.
1: According to his Twitter account, he has also received offers from Ole Miss
0: Pick as well up. as Pick Louisville,
1: and those are just some of the big names that we've seen so far. That I've seen him put out Mississippi State, Kansas in there as well, Houston, Virginia, Arizona State, Iowa State. These are all since he entered the transfer portal just a couple of days ago. Some of the big names there for Miles Frazier, the six foot-six, three hundred-pound offensive tackle transfer out of FIU. He's played a lot of football so far for the Panthers. That'll tell you he's ready to go. He might be somebody that Auburn is trying to recruit hard to come. We'll see how that unfolds. I believe he was offered today by Brian's by Brian Hartsons' crew. Uh, he announced it four hours ago on his Twitter account. So that's another group that I think is going to look vastly different. And then the last player to transfer for Auburn. And this is probably the most minimal impact considering how little we saw of him this year. Edge rusher Caleb Johnson is leaving the Tigers to look elsewhere
2: yeah and I hope that he's able to follow for all these guys I hope they're able to find a new place and I hope they're able to get significant playing time or they're able to find whatever it is that they're looking for at another school I do hope Caleb Johnson's able to find his minutes elsewhere but yeah like you said this is probably a minimal impact for the Tigers he did not really see the field a whole lot and I don't know with the way that Auburn is going to be operating over the next few seasons in the 3-4 with some of the depth that they have now and maybe some recruits that they're going to be getting in the future if Caleb Johnson would have been able to get that playing time that he wants so yeah I'm, I'm glad that Caleb Johnson was able to make that move for himself and I hope that he's able to uh to find a good fit whatever school that may be a defensive
1: line is another position group that is going to look a little different next year. Of course, Tony fair will be graduating at nose tackle. So you have to find a new starting nose tackle, whoever that may be off of this roster. You had another couple of guys on the defensive line going through senior day festivities that could have been coming back. Of course, I believe that Colby Wooden will be back next year, but he could go to the NFL if he wanted to, I think he'll be back. So you'll have him still on the defensive line. Derek Hall, didn't he go through Senior Day festivities this past week? I believe he did. Yeah, and so if you lose Derek Hall, there's another guy who really flourished. Now, of course, I, just because they went through Senior Day does not mean that it's a done deal that they're moving on, but I definitely think that there's going to be a massive need on the defensive line for Auburn, and, and there already was this year, not from a run-stopping perspective. Auburn was very good at stopping the run, or at least took a huge step in the right direction compared to last year's numbers. Auburn had a 40-yard improvement and rush yards allowed per game this year from last year's defense under Derek Mason so they're much better at stopping the run under this 3-4 scheme but you're losing some special linebackers more than likely in the mix of course Papo could still return but Jacoby McClain tweeted out uh, his goodbye mesh- message to the Auburn Tigers yesterday so I would imagine that you're losing that talent in the second level that really helped you stop the run that's going to look a lot different on defense you're going to lose several DBs as well the defense is losing about half of the players that had started this year. It's going to be a whole different unit on that side of the ball. And so that's another group that you're going to be looking in the transfer portal to probably fill out at all three levels. But the transfer portal is not where you want to live on a year to year basis. Mm -mm. You want to do it to supplement and accentuate your talent to put the, the, the final touches and possibly elevate you and bump you to that next level, similar to what Jamison Williams did for Alabama this year and their receiving core. Guys like that help take you to the extra level, but you can't live off of them.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that 100%. It's like you look at what Mel Tucker did for Michigan State this season. I mean, he brought in a bunch of transfers, and they all thrived, but that's not, and I think he understands this as well, it's not the recipe for long-term success, and I think Brian Harson understands that as well. So while this next season Auburn may be trying to pick up some transfers to kind of glue things together, so to speak, I don't think that it's what they're going to be doing long-term, but I will say this, for this defense next season, you just broke down all the guys that are going to be leaving – it's going to look completely different, I think, and I th- also think that's a very good thing because what have we been talking about with Derek Mason? Getting his guys into his scheme and getting them to play what he wants them to play. I think if he wants to go get transfers, that'll play his type of 3-4 scheme he can now. He doesn't have to just work with what he has on roster. I think if he wants to go start picking up some recruits that would run what he wants to run, he can do that as well now. He's going to have a lot of options to be flexible in the type of guys that he wants to pick up. And I think that's a very good thing for this defense that did show signs of improvement in cert- certain aspects of this season. So I think it's a good thing that Auburn is going to kind of be re- restocking the shelves, so to speak, on the defense, because I think Derek Mason's going to get his guys in.
1: Of course, there was a lot of criticism about this defense and Derek Mason. You go into next year, there's going to be pressure. That seat's going to be a little warm for him, I think, just based off of how things unfolded this year. There's going to be a lot of eyes on that defense. And while I do agree with you that it's good for them if they can get in the personnel – to fit this scheme on the one hand I think he did a good job of that in terms of helping elevate this group and run stopping but from a pass coverage perspective the DBs that were brought in to help this secondary run this new scheme they did not perform Donovan Kaufman I don't think had an excellent season by Darius Knight and at times looked lost the cornerbacks that were already on roster aside from Roger McCreary really struggled in the zone scheme the guys that were brought in in the back end didn't really help this group. I'm looking to see if those guys like Roe Torrance maybe take an elevated role next year. Dreshawn Miller went through senior day festivities of all people on on Saturday, and I thought to myself, what? This guy didn't play this year. Where is he going? You know, Is he going to go to the NFL? Was the West Virginia tape enough? That was a transfer that they brought in that you thought was going to help, but didn't for whatever reason. Of course, I think they were really successful with the players that they brought in the front seven, namely Tony Fair, because he was the key to Auburn being able to stop the run up front this year. Tony Fair did not get enough love. And of course, Colby Wooden did excellent. All of those guys in the front seven did a great job of stopping the run this season. I think you can say that without a doubt. Look at their performance in the eyeball. They were phenomenal. But you know, second unit, second level on, they were not very good at stopping the pass, and those transfers didn't work out. So on the one hand, I am with you kind of bringing this back to where the conversation started on the one hand i am with you that i think it could be a good thing for this auburn defense to get some new blood in there to run that system it was a bit of a mixed bag this year though with the transfers that were brought in
2: yeah for sure and i just hope that now uh this this defense and and Derek mason and these these position group guys understand what they're working with and they're able to adjust and they're able to if they do elect to go to the transfer portal they get guys that fit things better uh, at least that would be my hope because I don't think Derek Mason is getting let go. So a positive, uh, the positive outlook for me is things go well and things go really well in the transfer portal. But like you just pointed out, things were not necessarily perfect uh, with the guys that Auburn picked up this season. They
1: hit on some and they missed on others. And yep. I don't even know if you can say that they missed on a Kaufman, right? Because Kaufman's so young and has so much more out in front of him to develop into, right? And he's with the coach that recruited him. So I, I, some of these guys you can't say that they missed on just because they didn't play their best this season or they, they weren't studs this year, right? But wrapping up this conversation about the defense and what it's going to look like next year with a lot of new faces, I don't think it's going to be nearly as individually talented as this group was. I mean, you just lost one of Auburn's all-time linebackers in Jacoby McClain. That guy was phenomenal. I hope Owen Papo returns to shore up the linebacker group, but he very well may take the next step to the next level to the NFL considering the injury history this year, and you don't want to possibly sustain something too serious that could limit the bag one day, if you will, when you go to the NFL. So you may lose a lot of star power off of this defense And you may not be as individually talented, but if the unit works better as a whole, I don't care if you're not as individually talented. Georgia players on this team this year will say that they're not as individually talented. And they have said this, that they're not as individually talented as defenses that have come before them, namely the defense that went to that national championship back in 2017, 2018. They had Roquan Smith and dudes like that. They've said that they're not as talented as that individually, but they have also said from a chemistry standpoint and a execution standpoint as a unit, they have played better and the stats don't disagree. So that'll be the key for Auburn next year is although they may not be as talented on defense, can they play well together? Let's take a quick break here. You're listening to On the Line. on the line Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama number to call 334-321-1390 we want to hear from you apparently and this is such a bummer if you think we have too many bowl games we don't have enough Fox College Football just tweeted out that there are 83 bowl eligible teams only 82 spots man teams to play in bowl games somebody an sec team because the sec has 13 bowl eligible teams somebody out there like a utep is getting their spot taken by florida
2: (laughs) yeah and florida will be will end up playing in like the birmingham bowl or something crazy no it'll be
1: the cure bowl that's the bowl projection i'm seeing for florida they'll play the second bowl game of the
2: season oh man oof
1: ugly whereas we could have gotten to see UTEP, which honestly I think I would prefer to see a small school in some of these bowl matchups because it took a lot more for them to get there than it did for for Florida, I think. There's no business with Florida the way that they played this year, I don't think, being in a bowl game. But then again, they've earned it there too. I think those players deserve to play in bowl games. It's just a shame that we don't have enough. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. We've got Spectre on the line with us. Spectre, how's it going?
4: All right. What, uh, what bowl are we going to?
1: That we don't know yet, but projections look like Auburn could be headed to anywhere between the Liberty Bowl, the Music City Bowl, Duke's Mayo Bowl, you know, those seven <laughs> and five, six and six bowl games.
4: Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I want to talk about the coordinators. Go for uh, it. I, I'm still shocked that uh, Mason's still around, to tell you the truth. I know he's, in the middle of the pack as far as defense goes with the rest of the coaches in the league. But uh, what he did in that one game, we got blown out 24 points ahead and got beat. Uh, That's, you know, there's got to be an answer to that. And plus what happened in the last minute of the iron bowl, I understand he called an excellent game up to that point and, You know, it kind of reminded me of 2013 when we were beating Florida State. We lost in the last minute, and Ellis Johnson. I think he got fired the next year. If it wasn't that year,
1: he got fired after the 2014 Iron Bowl. But Auburn gave up, you know, like 50 points or whatever it was in Tuscaloosa. But he should have been fired. uh, Yeah, he should have been fired. Pretty well this past weekend.
4: Oh, yeah, he did. I, I That's what I said for three quarters, for 50, 59 minutes he did, yeah. yeah.
1: But if he had and, run support, uh, I, I think that we're talking about it differently. I'll, I'll give it to you. The Mississippi State game was atrocious. I got no problems with Derek Mason. Bobo's the one who I would blame. If you're looking to blame a coordinator or a coach after this week, I would blame Bobo a lot quicker well, yeah, than I would I, blame Derek Mason.
4: Yeah, I agree. I, I, actually, I blame both of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it takes two to tango. It takes two to win.
4: That's right. It exactly does. I mean, if you got problems with the defense, if you didn't have problems with the defense, you had problems with the offense, and that's exactly what happened in the Iron Bowl. I mean, yeah. we held them down the three points for three quarters, but ten points ain't going to win it for you.
0: You're
1: right. So, and the so- defense set them up with those points, too. I think, considering yeah. it got them into short field position a lot of those times when they were able to score, whether it was special teams or defense, pinning Alabama bag. Spectre, we I'm appreciate okay. the call, my man. We're about to have to go to break. Okay. That was Spectre on the line with us 334 321 1390. Lance, you take us to break right here. Uh, final thoughts on that call from Spectre. Talk about the defensive side of the football.
2: Well, yeah, I absolutely think that Auburn had their their issues defensively, not just in that Mississippi State game, but I think there were issues all across this season at different moments. I think that when you look at the overall product, though, for the majority of the season, Auburn was – a top six top five unit in the sec and they just had their lapses here and there i think that if mason gets another season to try and implement his scheme even further and he can get some transfers in i don't know if it's going to be perfect but i think it's certainly going to take a positive direction i think next season statistically and i think on the field product will improve as well more of on the line on the other side of this break stick with us
1: 30 minutes left in the Wednesday edition of Von the Line, Noah Gardner, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going back to our previous call with Spectre, and once again, we thank you for the call, Spectre, 334-321-1390. I just want to make one point before we go back to the phone lines. I want to make one point about the defense. Lance closed it out there talking about Derek Mason and needing to get more talent in on that side of the football, and it'll work out just fine, and I think that's true. The defense improved this year last year they were giving up about 25 points a game this year they gave up 22 they shaved off about 40 rush yards per game on the defensive side of the football last year they were giving up 160 this year about 120 pass yards allowed per game statistically right there with it i don't know what the alabama game has done to skew it but going into the alabama game this year auburn was giving up 243 last year they were giving up 242 so really wasn't that big of a difference in terms of pass defense the talent was the same that Kevin Steele had in his last year and they were a lot better at defending the run so I'd like to see what Derek Mason can do a year later and I was saying the same thing about Mike Bobo as well but I'm also not up in arms if Auburn decided to make moves with both of them I I really didn't have a strong opinion on either but let's head back to the phone lines now 334-321-1390 Terry is on the line with us Terry we appreciate you waiting on us
5: Hey Noah. Hey Lance. How y'all doing today?
1: Doing good. Doing real well. How you doing?
5: You doing pretty good. Pretty good. Lance, I said great. I just I contend guys that you, nowadays you can be. What'd you say, Lance? Sovereign finished Divas fifth or sixth, seventh, something like that.
2: Yeah. On uh, I would say outside of the performances that they just fell apart. I I would say they were probably top six, top five unit. Not great, but I think there's stuff to build on.
5: Okay, but where were they on offense? 11th, 12th, 13th, probably.
2: Yeah, somewhere between ninth and eighth, I think statistically. I'm a and sco-
5: if you can finish one, two, or three in offense, and four, five, or six in defense, year you can win. Does it, we live? A, whether people want to admit it or not, you can't win with just great defense. No more. Remember, the greatest defense in the world can only assure you of a tie. So
1: you um, reminded us a lot of that, Terry. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. It, it takes a a great quarterback, no, a good I'll offensive line, practice. and all of a sudden you got a good offense.
5: Right, I agree. I agree, and that's that's where the focus needs to be. Now, I've been as hard on Derek Mason as anybody, but when the when the offense gives the give the defense a break and they're out there for seventy plays or so, you kind of you kind of have to give them a pass a little bit. Now, I was a little hard on him earlier, but and I, I think he has brought a degree of Vanderbilt to Auburn, and I don't like it. Uh, but but the offense did him no favors whatsoever, and and when you're when you're three and out, three and out, three and out all game long, and. You stretch together, you're not giving them any rest, and when your depth is an issue like it is at Auburn, that's a problem, guys, and that needs to be the focus in the offseason is offense because that's what wins now, whether people like to admit it or not. I'm not saying you can stink on defense, but you can be average or a tad tad above average and win big on defense.
2: Um, You
5: can't tell me that Alabama's defense is as good now as it's been. It's not. I mean, Will Anderson's a great player, but they're not near as good on defense as they have been in the past. With A'shaun Robinson and the, some of those guys they had. I mean, we saw Terry LSU do it in 2019.
2: I mean, we saw LSU do it in 2019. That defense by no means was elite. I mean, it was it right. was, it was was pretty good to average at best.
5: Well, in Auburn in 2013, was the defense any good? The offense was so dominant. Right. I mean, they were running the ball on third and seven. Yeah. People forget that. So, I mean, they, they were running plays because Nick Marshall was such a threat. I just think people underestimate that, or, or they overemphasize the defensive point of view. Now again, I'm going to reiterate what I said. You can't be terrible on defense and win. I, I, I'm not saying that at all. But you can be average and win.
1: And I you think Auburn's been be better average than on average on defense. Day. I mean, they gave up 22 points a game. I mean, that's that's better than what LSU was giving up the year that they won the national championship right. in 2019. But Terry, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. I'm going to ask you this question: Do you think Georgia's is going to win the national championship this year?
5: No. I think they'll okay. beat Alabama, but I don't think I think they'll be a Georgia-Michigan matchup, and I think Michigan will beat them.
1: Really? See, Georgia and Michigan so look a lot alike to me. Now. Do I know? Georgia and Michigan look a lot alike to me. They're, they're both see, built on that defense. I don't think Georgia's near as good on
5: the offensive line as Michigan. What was that? I don't think Georgia's near as good on the offensive line as Michigan is.
1: Interesting. I'll be looking, so, to see, I'll be looking forward to see You know, if, if we do get that matchup, and I think a lot's got to happen to get there uh, because I, I still don't trust guys, Michigan uh, in key games. But if we do get to see to that, portal, I'll, be, I'll be looking at that.
5: When it comes to the portal, guys – is there a deadline to put your name in? Because I'm I'm curious about Bigsby and and Bo Nicks.
1: It's a very long time from now for the deadline. It'll be like late spring when like you get to go through the the spring game and really? whatnot, and then you've got a little bit after that before you can I put your, be before opposite, before that actually. deadline hits.
5: I thought it'd be just the opposite. No, I'm sorry. I mean, to step on you there, but I thought it'd be just the opposite. I, I thought you know guys wouldn't be going through spring, but. You can see a guy like Bigsby or Nick's going through spring and kind of – I guess you could tell by their body lines whether they're going to plan on being there or not. Now, I personally think Bo Nix will make a decision way before that.
1: Yeah, Um, I think if you see Nick's and Bigsby back in the spring, they're not going anywhere because guys leave for for one reason or another, and a lot of times the reason is where they're at on the depth chart and whether or not they're playing and whatnot – if those guys have stuck through auburn through these past for nicks now three seasons going into his fourth and bigsby will be going into his third if those guys have stuck through auburn through the tough times that auburn's already had i think if those guys announce that they're coming back again that they, they won't transfer after the spring game now the the guys that transfer after the spring game are the guys that were like all right we'll wait and see how spring goes and they were still buried on the depth chart and they couldn't make any movement those are the guys that transfer at that point
5: now no we're we're um Where was Elijah Kenyon, the receiver? He didn't play much this year, but I always thought he was kind of a a difference maker, a potential, a big-time difference maker. Did he just fall out of favor with the coaches or what, just couldn't get on the field?
1: I have no idea why he didn't play, but he only had four catches this year for 46 yards. He only played in four games. For one reason or another, you're right, he was – not getting onto the field with the coaches. you never know if it's a playbook thing for a guy if coaches don't like your intensity in practice, if they butt heads for whatever reason and this coaching staff's never gonna let on to that. They are very private um, and and from you know people that I talk to I mean I don't think too many people know either what's happened with Canyon. Um, so it's a bummer for me. He was the first guy that I talked about today about transfers leaving. It's a bummer for me because I think he's really talented, but for one reason or another, there was just a disconnect for him to be able to get on the field.
5: Well, guys, with the high school state championship in 7 uh, Bo Nix's little brother, what is he eligible to? Is he a junior?
1: Uh, I think he's a senior, yeah. He's already got some some offers from places like Troy and uh, Samford. I think Jacksonville State's on his offer sheet. He, he's playing tonight for, uh, for Central against Thompson.
5: Okay. And it just surprises me on year on end, as big as high school football is in this state, it's not on a major network. It's on, on a cable channel, that's fine, but I can't believe it's on a major network as big as it is in this state.
1: You mean like on ESPN or something like that?
5: No, I'm not necessarily ESPN, but maybe maybe uh, ABC or something like that. NBC, you
1: know, yeah, a local, like a local a affiliate, thing. maybe get it on TV.
5: Yeah, I just I just can't imagine. It's, it's so huge, and now with being a protective, now having a third tier, you know, protective stadium in, in Birmingham, you know, um, you know, finally like crowd might be a factor because you put them in Jordan, and Harry Broaddus, you're putting what forty-five thousand people in a ninety-thousand-seat stadium. You know, the crowd's yeah. a non-factor pretty much, so.
1: And I've always and I, and I like that they play in Tuscaloosa. I like that they play in Auburn, uh, and I was gonna be really bummed down if Auburn made the the state title game this year when it would have been in Auburn if it wasn't for the addition of Birmingham into the rotation. Um, right. I like that they play in those because those kids, you know, a lot of those kids won't get to ever play or step foot on that grass, you know and be able to play in that stadium. So on the one hand, I like that. I get your point about the crowd um, and, and maybe they could do something when they're in those stadiums to try and condense it more. To, to elevate the sound. I think they could probably do a little bit better job of that, but I'm definitely excited for the next three days of high school football to see everything that unfolds because you got some great matchups. Terry, we appreciate the call, my man. Sure. Take care,
6: guys.
1: You too. That was Terry on the line with us, 334-321-1390. We're going to continue on the phone lines now. We've got Don on the line with us. Don, how's it going? <laughs> oh, is it me? Yes, yes, sir. Don, how are you doing? Okay, yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. He. he I thought he said there was a two two before me, but my, my bad. So I, I've been thinking that uh, Bobo needed to go games ago, for one thing. Uh, when it comes to Derek Mason, and I didn't hear him say this, but I had a couple people tell me that don't know each other, said that uh, that uh, Shane Beamer said after the game that we just lined up and ran the same two plays the entire second half.
1: That was written about. You are correct. Shane Beamer did say that, and uh, Auburn didn't do a great job of shop- stopping those two plays either in the second half. Still only give up seven in the second half, but South Carolina definitely made Auburn bleed some yardage.
0: No, absolutely. I
6: mean, I, I, I'll say this. I probably, over the years, have been to 50 games at, uh, at at Auburn. That was the only game I've ever stayed until all zeros on the clock. That was the best experience I've ever had in my entire life. The Iron Bowl this past Saturday? Uh, yes, sir. The Auburn crowd did a great job. The who, Whoever runs everything, they all did a fantastic job. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It is when, when Bigsby ran out of bounds, I get the fact that what happened, I've heard people say they, they should have been running up the middle all kinds of things like that, but when that happened and then we go empty backfield at third and two, third and three, whatever it was, my heart is sunk because I'm like, there's no way, no way. But I don't know about Bobo, I'm glad he's gone. Derek Mason, for me, I can take him or leave him basically at this point.
1: And I was kind of that way with Bobo, too. I, whatever – I was I was that way with both of them. I, I think there was a mixed bag of results for both of them. And yeah. it seems like the fan base is pretty split on both of them, too. Like, half of the fan base was like, Bobo's the problem. The other half was like, it's Derek Mason. We need to get rid of him. You know, there so many, so many people were split. It was kind of polarizing how the coordinators were this year. I was just – look, the fact that that is the way that it is tells you that it's somewhere in the middle – and it's both of their fault. And if Auburn wanted to make a change either way or with both, I was just going to be like, all right, that's what Auburn wanted to do. And if they wanted to keep both, I'm like, all right, let's see what they can do next year. Um, You know, recruiting's a big part of it.
6: Yep, absolutely. All right, appreciate it, guys.
1: Appreciate it, Don. Don't be a stranger. Thank you for calling in. That was Don on the line with us, 334-321-1390. You want to know what I really liked about his call there, Lance? You want to know what I really liked? Hit me. The fact that he said he had – a wonderful time at the iron ball and that it was an unbelievable experience and that he really enjoyed himself. And he had one of the best times that he's had at a football game. Uh, That was my takeaway. I was disappointed. Okay. I sat down in the stands. Of course, I mentioned this on Monday where I sit in the stadium i'm in the end zone towards the top i'm literally on row 61 i'm like two two rows away from being uh, over the uh, with my back up to the back of the end zone in the lower bowl so it would have taken me a long time and staying towards the end of the ball game it would have taken me a long time to get down the aisles because there's been of a logistical jam in the aisles getting out of the stadium but i sat down and of course like it all set in for everybody that auburn lost and you know there there's disappointment with that And you would have loved to have seen Auburn win this all-time game, but I'll tell you really quickly something else that set in. I was like, man, I had a blast tonight. I had such a great time watching a great football game. And I know there's been a lot of people disappointed, a lot of people angry with how it went out and the outcome, but I just wish more people would take that perspective and appreciate
2: that they were at an incredible football game on Saturday, regardless of win or loss. 100% and that was uh, one of my takeaways from the game is that it was just a fantastic atmosphere it may be the best atmosphere I've ever been in Jordan Harris Stadium Uh, the defense was phenomenal I think that's what a lot it kept a lot of people in it emotionally I think it was just really exciting to see the way that Auburn handled business for about three and a half quarters again it was just a phenomenal time like you said really really enjoyed myself really really cool atmosphere one of the best experiences I've ever had Let's take a look at some of the
1: early takes that we have on this weekend's championship games going on of course you can hear some of these championship games right here on ESPN 106.7 and one of those is the Pac-12 championship this Friday 7 p.m. also on ABC if you're watching it on television number 10 Oregon against number 17
2: Utah what is an early take that you have on this matchup Lance is that Utah who uh, blew out Oregon just a couple weeks ago may do the same thing again I know that uh, Utah is coming into this matchup Uh, as the lower ranked team as the nine and three team uh, but I do not expect Oregon to put up a much of a fight in this game offensively Uh, I think that it's going to be somewhat of a defensive struggle uh, for for both teams but at the end of the day I do think that Utah probably wins this game by 14 or more I, I, I really do what scares
1: me is it's hard to beat a team like that twice not just once but twice and I'm curious how Oregon adjusts And if they can't even adjust from the previous matchup that we saw just a couple of weeks ago that Utah hammered them on, the question is, and like I just pointed out, can they adjust? Because some of the issues that I have with the Oregon offense stem from the fact that they're not very good at passing the football.
2: Yeah, for sure, and and you look at the defense as well. I mean, Oregon's given up, what, 24 points a game? That's not – I don't think that's a Pac-12 championship caliber defense right there, and you look at their passing numbers only averaging 220 passing yards per game. Look, Anthony Brown, the uh, Boston College transfer, he's not been great this season. He's been okay. 15 touchdowns four interceptions he's not been necessarily phenomenal in any spot and I don't necessarily think that it's the quarterback that's that's holding them back 100 percent I just don't know if this is a fantastic offensive scheme that that Joe Moorhead's running that is going to get you 40 points a night so it's it's just I think a lot of different areas where Oregon is struggling offensively and I just don't know against this decent Utah defense if they're going to be able to put up a ton of points in this matchup when we saw just a few weeks ago they only put up a touchdown you know it's interesting I've seen Joe Moorhead's name in an article for Auburn offensive coordinator candidates I wonder who wrote that <laughs> I, I I did put Moorhead in in one of my articles as a candidate simply because I didn't even know that I, simply because I think that if there if there are some guys that Auburn is going to look at I think that Moorhead might be one of the guys that they look at he was one of the first names that came to my mind
1: Moving around to another championship game here before we go to break. Quick take on the Big 12 championship. Number nine, Baylor, against number five, Oklahoma State. 11 a.m. ABC. I'll say this about Oklahoma State real quick. This is to avenge whatever you want to call it. This is to erase what happened in Ames, Iowa back in, what, 2012? Mm-hmm. Win this game. You're into the playoff. Do something, Ohio State, or Oklahoma State, excuse me.
2: <laughs> Same thing. Uh, this, this is the real OSU. Uh, at least it is this season yeah Oklahoma State really needs this game Dave Veranda and Baylor gonna definitely put uh, definitely are they are gonna put up a fight in this one though I think Oklahoma State will find a way to win this matchup we saw them beat the Bears uh, by by 10 earlier this season I think it's going to be a really fun game though it's going to be one to watch for sure
1: very similar teams a little bit more in the way of the passing game for Baylor, not by much. They don't rely on it as much as Oklahoma State. They've got 40 less pass attempts from Bohannon compared to Spencer Sanders. These two teams are like identical in the way that they play football. They're both only averaging a little bit over 30 points a game, as well as the defenses are holding folks to under 20 points a game. So you're looking at it, and it's, you know, they're very similar teams in terms of their statistics. I think Oklahoma State's a little bit better, just a little bit better uh in in this comparison between these two teams so i would expect oklahoma state but we'll pick these games later on this week we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we've got specter back on the line with us specter stay tuned with us we'll be back in just a few moments (laughs) wrapping up the wednesday edition of on the line noah gardner and lance Dahl with you we're going to head back to the phone lines 334-321-1390 specter is back with us specter we appreciate you calling back we're sorry we had to Move on so quick to get to a break earlier. What's what's on your mind?
4: Yeah, that's my fault. I should have known better to call in and right when y'all was going to take a break. Oh, no, you're good, Specter. You what's up? We
1: got about three minutes left here.
4: All right, uh, who you guys think is going to be OC?
1: I think it's going you. to be Eric Keesaw and he's the wide receivers coach right now. He used to be Boise's offensive coordinator when Brian Harson was there in 2019 and 2020. He's my top choice too. If I can't get somebody like Dell Mcgee from Georgia. All the other names yeah. that I've seen out there as candidates, they're all like west of the state of Louisiana, and I don't like a single one of the names. So I'm hoping they go internal with Kiesaw because I think he works well with Harson.
4: Yeah, uh, those are going to be hard picks, but if you want an easy pick, I think, I think we're going to wait till the till the high school championship game is over
1: with. And go worried? with who? Because <laughs> I've got to pick it up what you're putting down, but go ahead and say Patrick, it. <laughs> Patrick Nix yeah patrick that's Nicks. interesting i yeah. doubt it but if you called it specter call back in if that ends up being true if you if, if you call that call back in and i'll give you your props
4: okay bud. that's all i got for you then
1: appreciate it specter that
2: was specter on the line with us that would be something right if it was patrick Nix, i've heard some people say that i've heard some people say his name i just didn't know if there was any legitimacy to it but if it was patrick Nix, man would that be wild uh that would Mm, I would that would make some Auburn fans jump yeah it it would it would light the fan base on fire for a little bit I'll say that I'm gonna go with Graham Harrell from USC I've heard his name tossed around a little bit recently he's the guy that I would like to now that I've really looked at everybody he's probably the guy that I would like outside of Dale McGee Uh, he would probably be my my realistic choice but if there was a dream choice I'm with you on Dale McGee I think he's a really good recruiter
1: And I think you could possibly pair him up in an offensive coordinator situation with Keysaw and have Keysaw run the plays, call the plays, and McGee be, you know, like what he is right now, a run game coordinator, which if you want to improve Auburn's running game, Del McGee can do it. He's doing it at Georgia and he can recruit. But, you know, those are the types of things that you're looking at. I doubt Del McGee. I think it's going to be Keysaw. I like Graham Harrell, too. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.